Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Hello, podcast listeners. Hope your day is as enjoyable as mine is currently right now. I have to say, there's some news that we're going to be covering from yesterday's news events, but it's kind of important to be able to talk about, and we'll hopefully get caught up on the news stories as things progress. But there are some things that we do need to talk about in today's podcast. For instance, yesterday it was reported that Shopify had sinked 14% after company plans lay off, lay off about 10% of its workers. Kind of a big story we got to be able to get into a little bit on today. Semiconductor bill is in the process. It clears with the Senate, it sounds like, and now it's moving on to the House. This is kind of a big deal if you are one of the people who believe that the chips need to be made here within the United States in the making. Okay, Natural gas hits an all-time high, the highest level since 2008, and how that ties into the strategic oil reserve recently again. Okay, and then we're going to talk a little bit how to recognize a recession and how it ties in with what the Biden administration is currently saying right now. With that being said, guys, like I always say at the beginning of each podcast, I'm not a professional advisor in any way, shape, or form. Everything I talk about on this podcast is for information purposes only. You need to do your own research before investing in any stocks at any time. I cannot legally give you financial advice in any way, shape, or form. The whole purpose of this podcast is to give information and for entertainment purposes for those who wish to listen to it. If there are companies that I am invested in, I'll make sure I cover those and be able to say it within the podcast. I don't believe today there'll be any, but I will make sure I mention if there are any of these companies that I have invested in, I will reveal those positions. With that being said, let's begin today's podcast. Shopify sinks about 14% after company says it will lay off about 10% of its workers. This was on Tuesday, obviously. Shopify is laying off roughly 1,000 workers or around 10% of its global workforce, the company announced Tuesday. Shares of Shopify closed down 14%. In a memo to staff, CEO Toby uh, Lucky acknowledged he had misjudged how long the pandemic-driven e-commerce boom would last. And amid a broader pullback in one online spending, Shopify moved to cut a number of roles. Shopify has more than 10,000 employees as of December 31st, 2021, according to a securities filings. The cuts will affect all Shopify divisions. Most will occur in the recruiting, support, and sales. And across the company, it is eliminating over-specialized and duplicate roles, as well as some groups that were convenient to have, but too far removed from building products. Lucky said in the memo, technologies companies have been announcing layoffs, hiring freezes, and reciting job offers in the midst of economic uncertainty and COVID pandemic trends tampering off. Earlier this month, Google parent Alphabet and Facebook owner Meta both said they slowed down the pace of hiring. Companies including Netflix and Coinbase have announced layoffs. The Canadian company, which makes tools for companies to sell products online, was one of the biggest beneficiaries of the pandemic-driven e-commerce boom. As stores reopened and consumers shifted back to pre-pandemic shopping habits, Shopify and other companies in the e-commerce sector began to contend with concerns that they were unable to sustain the high-flying growth they enjoyed. Shopify bet that the increasing mix of online spending over commerce and stores would permanently leap ahead by five to, or even 10 years, Luke said. Uh, correction, Lucky said. It staffed up to meet with it anticipated would be sustained its shift to e-commerce more than doubling its employees base at the end of 2019, the company said in February. Quote, it's now clear 
that bet didn't pay off. Lucky said, what we see now is a mix reverting to roughly where pre-COVID data would have suggested it should be at this point. Still growing steadily, but it wasn't a meaningful five-year leap ahead. I have to say, I tampered a little bit in Shopify when I worked for my last company in e-commerce right before I started this podcast. If any of those people are listening, uh, I always have to say thank you for giving me the opportunity to have worked for you at the time and shop and to be able to understand a little bit of Shopify at the time. But that being said, Shopify, in my honest opinion, still a great website in general. Now, did they overestimate on this one? Of course, they probably did. But Shopify, in my opinion, is pretty good. I think it's a lot better than Amazon and any of the other e-commerce stuff because in a way you can kind of make it into a personal website and be able to get people to buy your products on their site. But at the same time, there is something about being able to walk into person into stores and be able to look at the products in your hands before determining whether or not you're going to buy the product or not. But this is interesting that now another technology company is now announcing layoffs. And we'll cover a little bit more in this podcast as we talk today about why these layoffs are kind of significant, but it just seems like these layoffs are just happening so fast in front of our eyes or there's hiring freezes as they call it. In fact, the other day I had applied for a job recently and there were about 700 people who had applied for the exact same position. So layoffs are here and we'll get a little bit more details later about how to wreck the recession part of things, but I thought we'd start with that with Shopify, see what's going on with them. Onto the politics side of things of the market, build a boast correction bill to boost U.S. chip production and competition with China clears key Senate hurdle. It's kind of a big deal on this one. So a bipartisan bill to bolster domestic semiconductor manufacturing and boost U.S. competitiveness with China has cleared a key Senate's vote, setting up for a final passage in the chamber in the coming days. The so-called cloture vote to break the legislator filibuster was originally set for Monday evening, but has been postponed until Tuesday morning after severe thunderstorms on the East Coast disrupted some senators' travel plans. The vote passed 64 to 32. Senator Majority Leader Chuck Schumer said he hopes lawmakers can remain on track to finish the legislation ASAP. The package known as Chips Plus includes roughly $52 billion in funding for U.S. companies producing computer chips and provisions that offer a tax credit for investment in chip manufacturing. It also provides funding to spur the innovation and development of U.S. technologies. If it passes, the Senate has expected the House will take up the legislation support. Supporters of the bill hope Congress will pass it and send it to Joe Biden for his signature before August recess, which begins in two weeks. The legislation, which advocates says is vital for the U.S. economy and national security interests in a world increasingly dependent on technology advancements. They also argue the bill could help counteract the effects of COVID-induced global chip shortage and put the U.S. on a more competitive footing with China, which has invested heavily in its own chip-making capabilities. The chip shortage has been one of the most interesting stories to have read about as a recent, okay? And one of those reasons being is that at least I've always known that a lot of the chips were made outside of the United States. I just didn't realize how much was made outside of the United States until obviously started this podcast. But it's it's interesting how, how they're trying to bring the jobs home now to do them here. It's almost like as if the last president was trying to do the same thing too, but they fought him tooth and nail on it. And now they're realizing the mistakes that could be possibly coming their way. This actually says here in a quote now, quote, America invented the semiconductor. It's time to bring it home, Biden said during a meeting at the White House on Monday afternoon. 
The president who tested positive for COVID last week participated in the meeting virtually. The legislation is going to advance our nation's competitiveness and our technology edge, Biden said, urging Congress to pass the bill as soon as possible. CHIPS Plus is a is paired version, correction, is a pared down version of the border legislation that has a long stewing in the House and Senate. The large measure came under threat from Republican leadership earlier this month. Okay, what I still want to know, and they're not talking about this in this article, is what else is in this bill. There's probably going to be more than just the chips in this bill, okay? And that's a little concerning for me personally because, I mean, they're already going to be spending $52 billion and we don't know what's fully in it. Now, in time, we might know, but as of right now, there's probably going to be like rules and regulations saying like, you have to make sure that you have solar panels on top of your building in order to be green, efficient energy for the company to make the chips and all this other useless stuff in it. But at the same time, we don't know what's going to be in the bill. And in time, hopefully we can be able to read it and be able to figure out what's in it. But it's good to see that this bill is slowly making its way through because I do agree. This is going to be a huge problem. Okay. Especially if China does invade Taiwan, which in my personal opinion, I could see happening. And I'm still curious to know how the markets are going to react that day. I do expect that day all chip companies to get slammed that day if China does invade Taiwan. But it's still going to be interesting to see what happens because chips are kind of the lifeblood of the economy. Kind of a little bit like oil. Speaking of oil, currently, the oil and gas sector now. Natural gas hits highest level since 2008 on pace for the best month ever as Russia cuts supplies. Natural gas prices are surging around the world as scorching temperatures stoke demand for the fuel and the Europe's push to move away from Russian fuel royals global energy markets. U.S. natural gas futures surged more than 11% at one point on Tuesday to $7.95 per million British thermal units, the highest level since July 2008. The contracts drifted lower over the course of the day, ending, a, ending the day at $8.99 per MMBTU for a gain of 3.05%. Natural gas is now roughly 66% for July, putting it on track for the best month going back to the contract's inception in 1990. Quote, although the magnitude and speed of recent gas prices gains points to contributing non-fundamental markets dynamics, supportive fundamentals are nonetheless the primary driver, EBW Analysis Group wrote in a note to clients. Quote, fundamentally, the scorching hot weather is the predominant bullish driver, the firm added. The contract for August delivery expires Wednesday, which is heightening volatility ahead of the roll. Volume is typically thin ahead of the expiration, which means individual trades can lead to outside market movers. It's going to be interesting to see now how gas goes going forward. Okay. It says here too, in Europe, the Dutch TTF natural gas features jumped 19.8% to 211.70 euros per megawatt hour, the highest level since March. This move follows a 10% gain on Monday after Gazprom said it would further reduce flows through the vital Nord Stream pipe line one. Beginning Wednesday, the pipeline will operate just 20% of its capacity. Gazprom said the cuts are related to turbine maintenance. Quote, this is not the end of Russian weaponization of natural gas flows in our view, and there remains few near-term alternatives for the event current reduced flows to the European Union, lending to an ongoing uprice risk. Okay, so I love the fact that these people are not mentioning the fact that the oil and gas contract that they just signed i believe one was with israel and the other one was azerbaijan if i'm not mistaken is it azerbaijan it might be i might getting the country wrong but i know israel was one of them that they just inked a deal to send oil to europe okay 
but they're not talking about it here. I don't think the market knows fully right now. But what I'm still curious about is why isn't the market reacting to this situation? And it's kind of still making my blood boil right now, okay? The article reads, U.S. to sell additional 20 million barrels of oil from strategic reserve. Again, here we go. We are sending our beautiful strategic reserve oil, which is supposed to be used in times of war, overseas again. Okay. It's an article actually from NASDAQ.com if you guys want to look more into it. But I mean, th this is insane. We are sending strategic oil overseas. We just sent some over to China and India, which is the same two countries that have been buying Russian oil for $30 a barrel. We're here in the United States. We're buying it at a hundred, I think right now. Okay. From Washington, from Rudders on NASDAQ.com. The Biden administration said on Tuesday it would sell an additional 20 million, 20 million barrels of oil as strategic petroleum reserves as part of its previous announced release from the facility amid to calm petroleum prices. The administration said in late March it would release a record 1 million barrels of oil per day for oil for six months from the SPR held in a series of hollowed out salt caverns on the coast of Louisiana and Texas. Okay. It's sickening. They are using strategic oil and they're... They're probably sending this over to Europe this time. I wouldn't be surprised if they were. If they send it to China again, I'm going to be fairly pissed. And you as the listener should probably be pissed as well. Okay. We're sending our strategic oil reserves overseas. Why? Why is no one batting an eye on this? What I want to know is why isn't the news reporters like CNN, MSNBC, Probably Fox News has been talking about this, but I want to know why these journals, journalists, if they even call them journalists, aren't talking about it anymore. There's a podcast from a man named Tim Pool. Shout out to you, Tim Pool. Sometimes you give some very vital information. And he said, I think it was in his opinion, or maybe he just put two and two together. He said something along the lines of, and, and I could be misquoting him. So if I am misquoting you, Tim, I am very sorry about this, that there's a high chance that they're sending the oil reserves to partners in Europe because it's literally NATO versus Russia at this point, which means NATO is pretty much in a war with Russia. At least if I'm quoting Tim Pool right, I, I probably, like I said, I'm probably quote, misquoting him right here. But it's interesting how the market did not react or maybe it did react a little bit yesterday, but no one's talking about this. Sending oil reserves overseas. And we're not drilling enough here in the United States. I mean, granted, gas prices have gone down a bit. Not by much. I mean, I filled up my tank yesterday and it was like $5.29 a gallon in where I'm at in California. But there was an ExxonMobil down the street that was selling $5.75. Now, granted, the gas station I went to was U.S. Gasoline, which I'm assuming is Marathon Petroleum Oil which I believe they're more of a U.S.-based company. But the fact that Exxon prices haven't dropped at least one block away kind of gives me an idea that oil's still not done going up. It might have froze for a bit, but I mean, who's to say it's not going to turn around anytime soon? Last thing we're going to talk about, recessions. Here's how to know if we, if we are in a recession and what it's not what you think. It's an opinion piece from CNBC currently right now. 
Everyone who cares about the recession happen when there are two consecutive quarters of negative growth. Everyone that is except for the people who actually decide when the economy is in a recession. For those folks, the National Bureau of Economic Research and the definition of recession is much squishier. Officials, the NBER, defines recession as a significant decline in the econ economic activity that is spread across the economy and lasts more than a few months. The Bureau Economicus, in fact, profess not even the, to use the gross domestic product, the broadest measure of activity, as a primary uh, barometer. The important because data coming Thursday should indicate the U.S. saw its second straight negative growth period in the second quarter, even though every period since 1948 of two consecutive negative quarters have coincided with a recession. That may not happen this time. Why? It's complicated. Quote, the MBR would be the la be laughingstock if they would had a recession when we were creating 400,000 jobs a month, said Dan Baker, a co-founder of Center of Economic and Policy Research. I can't even imagine they would think for a second why we're in a recession. Yeah, I wonder too if they're not saying we're in a recession because maybe some of those jobs that were recovery from pre-pandemic levels or it was companies that were just filling in roles that were needed or were those jobs like fast food restaurants or just restaurants in general or retail? I mean, retail, for instance, is going to be picking up soon and hiring, if I'm not mistaken. They tend to pick up more towards the end of the year because there are people who want to shop during the holidays. So where are these job numbers coming from? Okay. Says the, ca the case for a recession in this article, consumer spending on the dollar level has been solid, but when adjusted for a 40-year high inflation has been much less so. The U.S. trade deficit hit. After all, there are a lot of things that are making it feel like a recession from sky-high prices, widespread product shortages, and warnings from companies like Walmart that profits are shrinking due to changing consumer habits and just to name three. The quarter saw the GDP contract 1.6% from the Atlanta Federal Reserve real-time tracker is indicating that the same decline for Q Q2. Quote, I think it's just a game of semantics. The trajectory of the economy is clearly lower, whether we're going to decline as a recession or not, said Peter Bov uh, Bokvar, chief investment officer of Bleakley Advisory Group. If anything, the third quarter is going to show further weakness. So you could have three quarters in a row of contraction for GDP. That, does that technically mean we're in a recession? Question mark. The, the criteria for its part, Cambridge, Massachusetts based MBR is a bit of a shadowy group meeting in private and not making recession calls generally months after they begin and sometimes not until they have ended. Its most recent call came from COVID-19 downturn, which it said began in February 2020 and ended two months later. Still, the government and most business news outlets take MBR's rulings as gospel when determining expansion and contractions. The organization is generally thought to have six factors, real personal income minus transfer payments, non-formal payrolls, enrollments as gauged by Bureau of Labor Statistics, household survey, real personal consumption, expenditures, sales adjusted for price and fluctuations, and industrial production. I just want to know what it's going to take for them to finally admit it, that we are in a, a nice, and I've been saying this for a while, I firmly believe the United States is in a recession. I mean, I know for a fact recently that Sri Lanka is in their own version of recession because their government virtually just left. That's a topic for another day, but it's interesting because, and this is why I'm bringing this up, they're not going to admit it anytime soon. Because Joe Biden has made it clear that we're not in a recession. From Rudders, no, we're not in a recession, Biden administration tells U.S. voters. From Washington, 
The economy is plagued by inflation and suffering from fallout from Russia war in Ukraine. But it's not in a recession. That's the message from White House officials. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen, Economic Advisor Brian Deasy, and Commerce Secretary Gina Raimondo have spoken out on the recent days ahead of the data on Thursday that show that gross domestic product shrank from April to June. The Federal Reserve Bank of Atlanta's GDP forecast suggests a 1.6% decline. That would mark the second quarter of GDP decline in a row. While the broad rule of thumb holds that two consecutive quarters of GDP drops a signal of recession, the strong U.S. job market means this may be the rare moment when that is not enough for economics to declare the world's largest economy in a recession. The White House push back against recession talks is more than semantics. Talking about recession can become a self-fulfilling prophecy as businesses and consumers concerned about tougher times ahead, cutting back on spending and investment plans. The economy is top of mind for many voters ahead of the November 8th midterm elections and will decide whether President Joe Biden's Democratic Party remains control of Congress. Quote, we're not going into recession. Biden, oh, here it is. Quote, we're not going into a recession. Biden himself told reporters on Monday, quote, my hope is we go from rapid growth to a steadily growth. He's lying. He is. I'm sorry. When you have companies like Microsoft and Google who are telling their employees not to hire as many people, even Facebook right now, and we can probably talk about that a little bit more tomorrow about Facebook if there's not other news to talk about. Facebook is even admitting too that we're going to have less people hired. Businesses move way faster than government in admitting a lot of things because businesses have to make money. Government doesn't have to make money. And so they don't give a crap about anything. Okay. Sorry for, I guess, my language. It's not a podcast appropriate, I've been told sometimes, but it's, in my opinion, it's just the truth right now. The Biden administration's lying, my opinion. And this is why, like I just mentioned, you have Google not hiring as many people. Microsoft's not meaning hiring many people either. Shopify is laying off 1,000 people. Now, granted, Shopify is a Canadian-based company, but remember, recessions do affect everyone around the world when they happen. You have real estate companies that are not hiring as many people currently right now, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, Walmart saying that it's going to have a hard time. Walmart, which makes most of its money, if I'm not mistaken, from groceries, is saying it's going to have hard times. Okay, A product and service that people need is food. And if Walmart's saying it, that means we're pretty much kind of in a recession, maybe. Or maybe they just see the data from their end. Maybe consumers aren't buying as much food. That could be a possibility. Inflation is rapid right now. I mean, it's ridiculous. They'll never admit it. Says here, even so the GDP contraction would likely exacerbate fears and the United States is headed for the midst of an economic pullback and worry voters already struggling with higher groceries and gas bills. White House officials believe the GDP weakness, (laughs) sorry, is due to one off factor, including a decline in companies restocking inventories that many not reflect broader trends. Okay, companies can't restock when there's a supply chain issue happening as well. Okay, continuing on, we're seeing signs of slowing in the economy, but slowing in a direction towards positive growth and lower inflation consistent with kind of transition that you would like to see, said one senior official, administration official. Gosh dang, they're just just lying. At least in my opinion, they're lying. I mean, am I insane, people? No, No, seriously, if I if I'm not alone on this, I guess comment. Let me know because I just I feel like we we just are in a recession maybe currently. It says here the administration expects inflation 
buoyed by energy and food shortages from Russia invasion of in Ukraine. That's not true. There shouldn't be as much shortages, especially I believe Russia and Ukraine signed a deal to allow ships of grain to be going in and out of the Black Sea currently. To fall longer term as results in efforts to clear uh, port backlogs, release oil from strategic reserves and rebuild critical infrastructure. Many private economics agree that the United States is not in a recession yet, but they're seeing risk, says the climbing interest rates hikes and data raise concerns. Last thing we'll talk about, since 1950, the United States has not experienced two consecutive quarters of GDP contraction that has not unanimously associated with a recession. But there have never been a recession declared without the loss of employment and jobs are currently being added at a pace hundreds of thousands monthly. The Republican Party has used high inflation and economic weaknesses to attack Biden's economic and spending priorities. The party has been scratching, uh, sorry, the party has been scathing in criticism of the White House attempts to push back on recession talk. I'm sorry. I just, I don't believe it anymore. I do believe the United States is in some type of recession right now. Currently might not be as bad maybe. And, and granted sometimes I, I just observe things that are around me or what's happening. And it just has a hard, I just have a hard time. I mean, Chipotle released earnings yesterday and they said that raising their prices helped them make money because they had to, you have to count inflation in that as well. They're claiming that there's never been two consecutive negative economic growth since 1950. Well, there's always a first. And something tells me, and obviously this podcast is going to be going out soon. But when this podcast reaches the airs, and tomorrow is Thursday, we'll see if I'm right. If we have two economic growth cycles in the making. Or maybe the market's not even going to react. Maybe the market just doesn't care. Maybe they just think, oh, we're just making money, so who cares? It's hard to tell. But we'll find out tomorrow. And hopefully we can be able to report this a little bit more tomorrow on this podcast. So with that being said, guys, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. I hope you have enjoyed it. If you had, please like and subscribe to this podcast as every like and subscription that we get can help grow this podcast so we can be able to keep talking about these news events that are happening on the market and be able to see what's going on really. I also ask that if you do like it as well, that you please share with friends or family as every like and subscription that we get from you and from those friends and family can be able to help grow this podcast as well to keep growing it. And who knows, maybe they'll actually enjoy, enjoy the podcast to be able to hear the information of what's happening out there. With that being said, guys, thank you so much for listening to today's podcast today. Thank you and goodbye.